0: I jump out of bed because I love my
1: life. Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive.
0: Being myself, clarity will arrive. So I stand out, and be J-U-I-C-Y. Stand down and be J-U-I-C-Y. Hello, hello. This is Lisa, and I am your host for the GFR show. <laughs> I am so blown away by today's guest who is over 70 years old. Her name is Raven Blair Glover. She is known as the talk show maven, but I'm here to tell you that her radio journey did not begin until the age of 55 when she she had an epiphany. She was in the hospital caring for her mother and she was in the chapel praying and she heard the words, step up, show up, and grow up. And that Extracted her from this dark time in her life, and helped her to begin to heal how she felt as a child. Let me ask you this: See if you can relate. Did you ever have you ever felt invisible? That is how she felt through most of her childhood, and it she was never acknowledged, and it led to her developing a low self esteem. And it really wasn't until the age of fifty five that her childhood dream of being on the radio really started to come true. And she's now interviewed people like, I don't know, Lou Gossett Jr., Oscar winner, Les Brown, let's see who, Joe Vitality, Montel Williams, me, Lisa Cherney. She just has a blast. She's interviewed hundreds of celebrities, thought leaders, business owners by now. Um, Her radio show, is a podcast, is broadcast on all of the virtual platforms, Apple TV, Roku, and she's an expert all that now. And she just, I'm just amazed by her. I also am amazed by her willingness to share some things that she's never shared before. Like she can imagine she's been interviewed a ton of times, but she shares some things in this Uh, She confesses some things on this interview that she has not talked widely about, Uh, some things that occurred during a time where when she was a teenager, she snuck um, to a radio station after school to just watch the DJs do their thing. And she even became a junior DJ, which is phenomenal. But there were some significant things that happened during that experience that she is just now really beginning to um, connect the dots. And that's what happens sometimes is we don't really connect all the dots from our, our story, our life, and how it really did lead us perfectly to where we are now. So she is a walking, <laughs> a walking example of this and I can't wait for you to meet her. You know, without further ado, let's just, just bring on the interview queen that is Raven Blair Glover, the talk show Maven. Raven Blair Glover, this is such a long time and happening. I'm super excited. Me too. I feel like a little kid. I'm just jumping up and down in my seat. (laughs) And you know what? I'm so freaking honored for like a a radio talk show vet like yourself to be honored to be on my show. Makes me feel like a little kid jumping up and down.
1: Are you kidding? This is a dream come true. I was telling Khalid, my adorable husband, I was like, I'm going
0: to be on Lisa Churny's show today. I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love my Lisa Churny and Sasevich. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, I know, I know you knew, And we've had the, the pleasure of working with you And having you as a client together And separately, uh, Lisa Sasevich and I And y'all, and that's episode, I don't know Number like 13, 14 You could check out Lisa's episode Yeah, really awesome. I plan on
1: it I listen to a lot of the shows Boy, you, you're number one, you're really good And you know, I don't give that uh, What I compliment to interviewers lightly You know, because that's one thing that I I master and I teach you. And, but what I really loved about it, it didn't feel like an interview show, you know, it, um, we started short talks TV and we're the same way, you know, we get right into the person and their story and, and we speak from the heart, the gut and the soul and I get on all in our head and questions and stuff and just let it go where it needs to go and get fucking real takes you there. I'm scared. I'm scared.
0: <laughs> oh, you're not
1: scared. You're
0: you're, you're joking. <laughs> well, I love that we have a, this mutual admiration society uh, and this is, it's really, it's really super fun to yeah. be in this space with you and to have been on the front seat, you know, of watching a lot of your growth over, I gosh, at least eight years. I at feel least? Like really, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That we've been Absolutely. connected. So, so everyone heard your amazing credentials, you know, in the intro. So I don't need to you know go into the in detail, but just to say that you know a compliment for you about my interviewing skills is really fun, and especially because I kind of pride myself on not really studying or reading anything that has to mm-hmm. do with what I do like I don't have a marketing degree I didn't really take a podcasting course I just sort of do my own thing, so it's actually fun to you know to see that you know whatever I do naturally works <laughs>
1: it works yeah and you're like you know I think that's why I felt an instant connection to you because you're definitely a keep it real type of gal what you see is what you get and I always love that about you and even in your trainings and your teachings you know you're just so you've always been so real so I admire that about you and you're just a um, I guess Alex used to call me and I think see you that way too it's kind of a fire and shoot not a lot of aim, you know. I mean, you, got, you got a lot more aim than me, but you know, we just we don't mind failing for it, right? You know, this yes. idea. I'm going for it. I'm going with it. Get the heck out my way. Don't stop me. Get the heck <laughs> and, out you know, my way. You know, Amen. I don't know how to Ask right. Just let me go do my thing and be free to be me. And I'm the same way, you know. Didn't you know? Learn podcasting and all that stuff. Um, I just did it from the hospital and, you know, just let my gut and my inner guidance, which I say was God, you know, you know, let the um let him guide me along. Yes,
0: I definitely wanna tell your story because it is an amazing one and what you've accomplished from following your gut. And I just wanna insert that. I know your hubby, your hubby's like my hubby, like they, we needed, we needed them, right? Because, you know, just sort of ground us and and just let us fly and and be our support, so. um, (laughs) But you got yours the first one, right? You've only been married once. I did get mine the first one. It's a fucking miracle.
1: Yeah, Kalik is my fourth. So yeah. just call me the black Alexis Kobe, okay? Hey, you know, whatever,
0: you know, <laughs> I would say you had four successful relationships and this is the one that you're in now that's serving you and until yes, it doesn't yes. and, you know, he that's saved, my- He saved
1: the best for last for me and someone that really allows me to be free to be me. Beautiful. And, you know, I just kind of skyrocketed and, you know, I guess we've been together seven years, you know, married five and my life really blossomed. So it's really something, and that's why I love your show, because when people can't get out their own way and go through all your GBS principles, you know, then, um, uh, no, it's not GPS, GPR, right? G- G-F-R, I mean, GFR,
0: GFR, right? I like <laughs> GPS though too, that's a combination yeah. of GPS and GFRs would be yeah, a good Yeah, when they
1: get, you know, when you go through those, because like I was telling you before we uh, went live, there was actually, what was it? One, two, three, four, seven, that, you know, caught my attention. Not one, seven. So when you figure out what the, the ones have been that have kept you from being, the best you, it makes a difference. And um, me from marrying colleagues, someone that I didn't have to pretend for and someone that he didn't have to pretend for me and we just accepted each other the way we are, good, bad and ugly, it allowed us both to be free to be us. And well, he was already doing really, really good, but it definitely took me up. And I was surprised at what came out of me, just being able to feel free.
0: Yes, oh, thank you for sharing that. It's 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 so it's really so important. And in my work, that I, the unmentoring space I'm holding for people now, where we are really honoring, you know, and knowing that their path is perfect and how they're expressing is perfect, you know, I I'm really seeing that people that are not with the right person, you know, in their primary relationship, it is mm-hmm. absolutely one hundred percent holding them back in some way. From whatever, right, and you know maybe they don 't ever you know jettison you know that person or that relationship and and that 's their path, but I for sure when I meet people that are that you know that do confess to me that you know this person i 'm just not sure about this person, I absolutely see how it 's holding them back from their full expression through their mission because. you know, us mission-based people, like there is no margin of error for, you know, really for being out of alignment or hiding, you know, for very long, right? Really.
1: But here's the thing, We have to face up and like Michael Jackson was famous for saying, take a good look at the man or the woman in the mirror, because it's not them or anyone holding us back, but us. What's that little thing we used to learn in school? If it's meant to be, it's up to me, you, us, right? And that's what I had to learn. So when I got... You know, when I look at my past husband, especially the one that I had before a and he left me, he just put a sticky note up while I was in the restroom, and he was packing when oh I Oh my came gosh. Out left. no toilet tissue, no money or nothing, just left, and went back to a girlfriend of 13 years, you know, so I don't know, they could have been seeing each other all the way. I don't know. But when I finally just got over my pain and just really looked at, well, what is it that keeps me being the person that wants to be married and it's, it's easy to get married if people ask me to marry them, but I can't seem to stay married or they don't like, they love the business Raven, then they want the wife. And Raven has never been the, that type of wife, the homebody. I've always been business. My parents brought me up in a chain of restaurants. So I've always been business and entrepreneur. So I had to look at some things that was in my way. And I remember I was interviewing two people, Lisa Nichols, I went back and listened to her interview and she was talking about, I think it's mirroring, how you just get butt naked and you just kind of face the truth, the good, bad, and the ugly. And then I was talking to a friend of mine. uh, Actually, she used to be married to the great Earl Nightingale, Diana Nightingale. because I think she was like 30 something years younger when they got married. So I was talking to her and I was in so much pain and she said, you know what you need to do? You need to go back and listen to your women power interviews, including the one you did with me and all all those women power that talk to you about what they went through, you need to go back. And I spent a day going back and listen to my interviews because I'm, I'm a shy person, I'm an introvert, really. So, you know, I never really went back and listened to my interviews, so that was really hard. But I, I, I did um, the exercise Lisa Nickel was talking about mirroring and it really did help it. I just looked, you know, I looked at myself raw and I looked at, well, you know, Raven, there's a lot of things, if you could stop doing this and stop getting comfortable with these type of um, people that would do you this way, you got to let that shit go. And I think you know, one of your principles on here talks about letting go and getting out of your own way. I think it's twelve or one
0: of them. Yeah, talk- well, number two is let. You know, the second number two GFR commandment is let go of what doesn't feel good.
1: Mm-hmm. And then,
0: really, going into that inquiry with the confession question about what doesn 't feel good yeah uh, yeah, yeah it's it 's profound. I thank you for sharing that. I think it 's really important for women, particularly to hear around relationship because i I do believe it it is a ever changing <laughs> you're like can 't help you there it is an ever changing <laughs> ever evolving process you know. And, you know, and looking at how we show up in relationship. And I can tell you, I'm still with the same guy, but we're probably on the fourth version <laughs> of our relationship. <laughs> and then we've, you know, yeah. we have had, to, you know, a couple, you know, come to Jesus's around um, around our relationship and deciding to re-up again, you know, mm-hmm. but making some changes. So I, yeah. I, I I, really absolutely value that. And I love how you went back and listened to your own interviews because It really is so much of what the GFR wormhole journey is about is like our mission serving us, right? So you got Mm -hmm. to have your mission, those interviews directly serve you in your next, you know, phase of growth. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was really good that I learned to do that. And because it was hard, I had to really sit there and listen to my voice. See I always thought that was part of the healing, right? Yeah, I always thought, you know, my voice wasn't a radio voice and stuff. I just started interviewing because that's you know what where I was led to do. But I was always shy about it. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to go back and listen to my interview of Montel Williams or Lindsey Wagner, even though I wanted to listen to those interviews. And I felt blessed to have them. I never went back and listened for years until Diana Nightingale told me to do that. And it was healing. And so now when I work with my clients, I, I tell them that when they said, well, why is interviewing so important? I'm like, interviewing will not only add your credibility and visibility and, and people will spend money quicker with you because you're interviewing all these great people because I teach interviewing up. But then I said, but here's the one thing that people don't talk about. Interview heals you. It's a healing process. You can't interview the Jack Canfields, the Brian Tracys, and Lisa Churneys and Lisa Sassevichs without some of it rubbing off on you. And, you know, for uh, someone that was, you know, emotionally, heavily emotionally abused child, you know, the, I never went to counseling and all my ex-husbands used to say, you should go to counseling and I didn't want to go because I heard ugly stories about that. So the interviewing did heal me, you know, and I still go through my stuff, but you know, what's that old saying? I ain't where I want to be, but thank God ain't where I used to be, you know? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it helped me to help
1: others to heal, you know? Yeah. So.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit more about that, that little girl. And you know, you, you refer to the household, you know, you, you grew up in, wasn't a loving, you know, it wasn't a loving container for you. And yet at the age of 13, you found your way to what was the first sort of breadcrumbs, you know, that would indicate where you'd wind up today. So share with us how that happened. Yeah. Well, my mother,
1: them owned a chain of restaurants, a Blair House uh, restaurants in Ohio. And right around the corner, there was the um, neighborhood radio station, WJMO. And this was in Cleveland. And so I used to listen to them and you know, and I was like, wow, fascinated. I was like, wow, if people all over can hear them. And then I didn't think it was just Cleveland. I thought everybody in the world could hear them on record. I want to be like them. I want to spin records. And I used to tell my daddy, oh, dad, I want to have my own station and stuff like that. And uh, so I used to sneak. We used to, we were supposed to come home and, and go to one of the restaurants and work. And I would sneak up to the station and they would call my mom They would say, your daughter's up here again. My mom then would come and whip me with the belt to the restaurant yeah they really did and so um and then you know one day one of the restaurants uh, one of the uh customers in the restaurant they heard me on the radio and they told my mom they said isn't that your daughter on the radio and i was like i'm Ray blair and i'm on the air wjmo
0: Oh my gosh, how did you wind up on the air? I thought you meant you were just like going <laughs> well, and like being a groupie.
1: There, they let me go on there and then they let me be a junior disc jockey and stuff. And oh my And God. Uh, it was really wonderful and then eventually I worked at uh, the VA hospital. I had a jazz show I think at 16 um, oh. that was supposed to help heal the people that were in the hospital. So the dream of being a radio was always there. But I never felt good enough. Uh, What is that? I think that's number six or something. You know, I didn't feel, uh, have the faith in myself, you know, that I could do it and that I could pass the FCC test when I got older. So I let that dream go. Number one, well, a couple of things. Number one, back then, it wasn't a lot of African-American women on the air. And most of them that were, were weather or sports, you know. And then the other thing is this FCC test was so over my head. It was so technical. So um, as you know, in my story, mother was in the hospital at the age of 55. And when I was in the chapel, you know, God spoke to me, said so your mom's going to be okay, but you're going to need to step up, show up and grow up, step up and be the daughter that she raised you to be. There's no reason you should be making $10 an hour at fit being 55 years old when your mother then brought you up in a chain of restaurants. You know, you got everything you need inside of you, you know, show up, okay, she's going to live, she's going to be different, so you don't have time to play, you got to show up in a big way, and grow up, you got to take a look at why are you in the situation you are in when you went to the best schools, you lived in the neighborhood, you wore the best clothes, There, you know, technically there should have been nothing that took me down that path of self-doubt and You know, not just going out there, uh, you know, finishing college and doing all these things. But I always had that entrepreneur spirit, and jobs just didn't excite me, you know, so I was always trying different things. But so, anyway, I started the show. And from starting the show, I knew that, okay, I could do this interviewing thing because I love to talk, I love to have conversations, and I wanted to be heard. My whole journey has been around being heard and being acknowledged because as a child, the pain was I was dismissed, I wasn't heard. And no matter how hard I tried, being in junior Olympics, doing all kind of stuff, it was like, oh okay, good girl. You know, now go to the restaurant, your dad needs to help you. You see what I'm saying? So my mom didn't weren't mean. They were just over, I don't know. Back then it was okay to to whip your children. It really was. I mean you know, getting a belt. I mean, now you, they'd be locked up. Back then, it was okay. And so we, we got whipped a lot. And back then, it could be with a tree, a belt, a cloth, whatever they went to reach, you know. And so, of course, that messes with your self-esteem. And then we had to go to the restaurant. We didn't have a lot of freedom to be kids. It was like, go to school. And then they had three restaurants and go to one of the restaurants and help out would be the next thing. So I rebelled a lot on that stuff and, and began to shut down as I got older. So know, would you now.
0: say that the, the shutting down years were kind of in your, you know, 30s and 40s when you were making, you know, not, not making much money and like before your, your mom was in the hospital? Was that the years? The you shutting kind
1: of- down years, I think they developed, they started in school. You know, I mean, they started in school um, because I was really tomboyish. I was trying to find, always try to find my way in. I always tell people I felt like Casper the ghost sometimes. (laughs) She's the friendly ghost sometimes, you know. And I was always trying to do something to get in. And, you know, I wasn't the cutest kid, very tomboyish. And, you know, I started fights. I thought fighting would get me recognized, you know, I remember that didn't work, and then I remember hurting myself, you know, like, I remember one time taking something and stabbing myself, I was trying to do anything to get recognized, to get attention and stuff, Uh, mostly fighting, and then as I got older in my teenage years, and, you know, I just started trying to be active like in junior olympics and different things like that i remember writing to oh i remember i think i was small this i wrote a letter to kennedy john f kennedy and then a few weeks later he got assassinated and i always tell the story i wish i still had the letter because they wrote back the letter you know or somebody in his office wrote back but then our house burned down and i lost all that stuff so i began to do things and get into speech and uh, I used to have a little dance troupe that I trained at an elementary school, and and I would teach them how to dance, and I would and I would wiggle my way in the dance. I just couldn't be satisfied being a teacher. I a performer too, you know. So um, I would just do anything to get attention, Lisa. Anything. Yes. It, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and you were successful, you know, in many ways getting attention, you know, and. And I, I see the radio sneaking up to the radio station and, and getting to have, be a junior, you know, DJ was like this real bright spot of your childhood. It's yeah. like yeah, I
1: could be here, people could hear me. Yeah. I didn't feel invisible, you know. So yeah, it felt really, really good. But I'll tell you something I've never really shared before. I actually, because you were there when I shared my story um at Lisa Sassavage Retreat. And it wasn't until I was sharing my story on stage and I looked up at the WJMO picture and it brought back this clear move, memory that I was raped in the bathroom.
0: Oh my goodness. I totally had blanked it out. Wow. So at, the radio, I, at the radio station? Like at there? The radio station, I never told anybody
1: because number one, I wasn't supposed to be there. It just hit me that moment only. Oh to my stage gosh. When I looked at the picture. And so now I kind of wonder is that what really shut me down? Yes. And kind of took me up because I don't remember much of me being at the station or anything after that.
0: Yes, that really it makes sense that there was something else because it just feels like, even, yes, I hear that you felt abused or that you had the experience of being physically and emotionally mm-hmm. abused and not seen. And it's, it's and yet this thirteen year old had the self esteem enough to to go to the radio station to get on the radio station to you know to be on on air and it it felt like you know it didn't feel like that same person that then was really um, the self your self esteem was even yeah it, it makes sense my hunger for wanting to be seen yes. You know? Yeah, Which and, is another and reason I didn't,
1: that, of course, tell it, my parents or anything about me being raped. I just kind of took it because, I, you know, they would have looked at you, were you fast being up there anyway with all those grown men? Because there wasn't right. many women around the station. It wasn't, they were the bookkeepers or, you know, stuff. I think there was a, uh, I remember Jackie, she was a weather lady and she, you know, it was so weird that that came up and I've thought about it since then. And I really do think that that's when I probably shut down.
0: Yeah. it makes yeah. a lot of sense. And so I, I
1: tell people my dream found me at the hospital. Yes. Yes.
0: yes. So let, let, mm-hmm. let me make sure that the, the, the listeners are tracking. Cause I've, okay. I've heard, I've heard your story, um, multiple times and it's, Still, it still touches me every time, but I think we're dropping into a couple of nuances here that, you know, and, you know, that's what happens on this show. (laughs) You know, people, you know, confess and share things that they, you know, even though they share their story a lot, which I'm sure you do. So I'm really hearing a connection that you're making between sort of the spark that that little girl had. And like someone said, hey, to your mom, yeah, your daughters, you know, on the radio and how being raped in the bathroom at that radio station created an immediate negative association with being there, with that you shouldn't have been there, that you were, you know, that mm-hmm. you were being a, you know, bad, or, bad girl. Right. Bad you know, girl, disobedient. Stuff, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. It's what makes and sense. that I
1: wasn't worthy mm-hmm. and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So. For
0: sure. For sure. Just building on what was already there. And, and you're so eloquent in sharing about your low self-esteem, which you know, it's funny. It's almost like self-esteem has like it's almost like passé. Like it's, now, it's about empowerment and, but it, feeling shitty about yourself. <laughs> you know, it's such a common thing for people. You know, women. You know, in particular, I think are more susceptible to like it in the area of body shame and being outspoken and and particularly. You know, when you were growing up and being a yeah. woman of color, I think yeah. it just adds. To all the compoundingness. All yeah. You're not
1: light enough, you're not this, you're not that, you know, all, all that stuff. It it does bother you. You know, your voice isn't this way, your nose isn't this way, you know, and it, and it's just one layer on top of another. Um, but there was always this hunger to succeed. Yes. That kept me going. Yeah.
0: yeah. You shared about something else with me that happened just a few years before the message you got from God when you were in the hospital and your mom was sick. Did, I don't know. Was she dying at the time or? No, well
1: she had, she was
0: rushed in to
1: have a, um, aneurysm removed. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so it was a serious operation, but they felt she would get out in about 10 days. She ended up being in ICU for three weeks and in the wow. hospital for, um, Ooh, six months, you know, wow. it's very scary. I mean, we go to the restroom and they be, They would, uh, Mm. back then we had pagers, pagers say, your mom is, you know, we're rushing her back up. It was very, very, very scary. But yeah, uh, my very first show, Women Power, was created from there because I heard Alex uh, on a conference call one night. Uh, My sister and I, we lived at the hospital in the ICU unit with mom. Uh, So when she slept, I, you know, was searching for, okay, what can I do? Because mother's not going to be the same. You know, what can I do? Because, you know, making $10 an hour and working 20 hours a week isn't going to get it. I jumped on a conference call. I had just signed up on a payment plan for Alex Mendozian's Teleseminar Secrets. Um, My husband at that time and my daughter, they kind of helped me get on a payment plan for it. And so um, Alex said the quickest way to become an expert is to interview experts. And he talked about that there was this thing you could do about podcasts and people all over the world could hear you. I was like, "Hear you, okay. I that, yeah. And so I said, wow, you know, I can do that. And so I, you know, got a piece of paper and I drew down the middle of the line and said, what do I need to do on one side of the paper and where do I need to begin? And I just started brain dumping, brain dumping things like, you know, Google, what is a podcast? Figure out how to how do you ask for interviews? How do you get people to say yes? And I just did all that. And uh, mom went in the hospital Let's see, February 6, 2006. And I launched my first show from the kitchen table April 23rd, 2006. So I taught myself oh, wow. everything. That's amazing. Did my first show. 2006
0: y'all i just want that to drop in because we're now in 2020 and there's what they've just hit a million podcasts you know and i just want everyone to drop in at 2006 before before there was apple podcasts and all this was systematized (laughs) and figured out and you know disseminated in a you know in a Mm -hmm. in a systematic way you know that you you know at the age of 55 figured it out set on, you know, set yourself that you were going to figure this out. I just want to underscore that because you're such always a shining example of it's never too freaking late. (laughs) It's never too late to, you know, to to make a change and pursue those dreams.
1: Yeah. You know, I think uh, people ask me all the time, well, what was, and I was like, well, it was so funny for years. I couldn't do things that I wanted because I let myself get in the way, you know, because I didn't have enough faith for me. And actually, you know, Lisa, we could just—I just need to look. I got it all marked up. I need to just put it on the wall because every single She's one. She's holding of them up her was,
0: GFR commandments, y'all. Just want yeah. to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, so but here's the thing:
1: I had to make the decision that I was going to do something to change my mom's life, but I couldn't do it if I couldn't change my life. It's the same thing they tell us on the plane and stuff, right? It's that self thing that you have to do first. But my why was never big enough for me, like many of your clients and my clients, you know, we can talk to them all day long, but until they really tap tap into their why, you know, or as Steve Ultra says, their what, something that's got to motivate them. So it was never enough for me, but mom, the matriarch of the family, and by the way, my mom was very strong woman, very beautiful woman and kind of looked like Lena Horne. She just always had it together, very powerful woman. So to see her with tubes around her, you know, and I, I looked at her and I was like, wow, you know, I wonder if mom's thinking, while wow, she spent her whole life trying to do for us. I wonder if she did she do anything for herself? You know, was it all about us? Maybe that's where a lot of the anger and stuff was in. I found out when she was in the hospital, she was bipolar. I had to make a decision to forgive her for a lot of things in the past and step up, show up and grow up and be there for her now. And I, you know, I knew I had to do something and for me to hear that from Alex's mouth, I knew that was what I was supposed to do.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. It really, it's very inspiring because I, I, for one, am in, in, intimidated by technology often. Like if I don't know how to do something you know, I get paralyzed or, you know, then I need until I fi- just need to find to help me because asking for help too is a big thing, you know, yeah. but I could definitely, I've definitely seen my resistance come up, even if there's something that I want to do. I'm not, I'm not the one that's going to go figure it out. My husband is very much just give me Google, <laughs> you know, and YouTube and I'll freaking figure it out like that. Yeah. I don't do that. I don't, I just want something. to show wait, Lisa, It scares me and it's a lot because you
1: really have to buckle down and learn it. And you know, my husband's like yours, you know, a colleague, he is an engineer, Grammy music engineer. So that's his thing. And but guess what? When I learned this from the hospital, number one, I wasn't with him. And number two, remember, I said I got Alex's teleseminar secrets course. So he taught that you could do this on a conference call line. It was not about buying any big money. Yes,
0: I mean, yes. It's
1: free conference call. And so my first show, we launched April 23rd. 2006 Six. from my kitchen table, because me and my sister would switch days. i live at the hospital with mom for three days, then my sister Tracy would. So when I was at home, I would do interviews, book interviews, and do the shows, and they would just be on the conference call line.
0: I, and you know, I I love my shows to be evergreen. And I just have to say that we are doing this interview during the pandemic. You know, we are, I think, six or seven weeks into, you know, being, you know, at home. And it would be so easy for people to use this e- crisis as an excuse for not doing something or or just to kind of let it get to us, which would be totally freaking understandable. And I That's just.
1: scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: I'm inspired by hearing how, you know, your mom was in the hospital for six months. You know, you were in a situation where you were living there. You didn't, you know, it sounds like carry us on a day-to-day basis, and you did this amidst that context, so I find that to be very inspiring.
1: Thank you. I had to because, you know, you know, for things to change, I had to change, and, and one of my favorite quotes that I, I used to tape on my computer was, uh, I think Jerry Rice said it, if I would do today what others won't so I can live my life tomorrow like others can't. And so I would always read that over and over again. And and Zig Ziglar's was the other quote, when he said, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want, you know? So, you know, and I'm paraphrasing both of those, but yeah, those were the two quotes that always stayed on my computer. I still have them on my desk now. And I really stick by those things. And so I knew that I had to do the things that others want. And me and my sister, we were fighting. I mean, literally, I thought we were going to get in fist fights sometime because she didn't get it. She was like, mom's sick. We don't even know if she's going to live. And all I hear is show, 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 you know. And, um, you know, I really felt in my gut that I was supposed to do this. I hadn't figured out what was going to happen. In fact, I interviewed for over a year and not made a dime. And I remember someone uh, emailed me, and they're like, "Wow, you know, someone told me about your interviews and your show Women Power, but I gotta ask you, how are you making your money? I don't see anything with ads or anything. And so she hired me, um, paid me a thousand dollars to interview her. Her name was Carla Carter, and she did a little acting and stuff. she said and it was um, I interviewed her for a summit for Carla Carla, Carla Carter and her friends, you know. And so I would interview her and some of her celebrity friends and bring her on and stuff like that. So she paid me $1,000 and that was the first time I made money.
0: (laughs) Awesome. I love it. How the person who was asking you how you make money doing that hired you to give you the first experience of making, of how to make money doing what you were doing. Yeah. We, we, you know, she's like a sister to me. Yeah. We've become really good friends. That's awesome. I, and I love how you didn't know what was going to come of it. And you just did it. And I, I'm finding now more and more in the space that I'm holding for people in the unmentoring space of, you know, a much more organic approach to evolving in your business, in your offers, and how you're serving. Mm-hmm. You know, it is about not letting, I say not letting stress, strategy, and smarts fuck with your flow. You know, and you didn't. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. You know, you didn't. You, you, you're you, just like, all right, I'm going to interview people. I'm going to, let's just do this thing. And, you know, and, and you weren't really attached to figuring it out and creating the strategy and and i'm having to unlearn that like you you didn't know any better which is great you, you know, know they I, always
1: I, tell I, us that though right you do better when you don't know any better right it's when we start mastering the art and the skill that we really screw up i mean why do some people that come in with no training at all and they come in 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 mlm network marketing companies and they hit the top of the thing you're driving the car the way the thing same thing you know in lisa's thing you know you get people like me that's been hustling all the years and we get in our own way but then you get people that come in never did anything just left corporate two months ago and they won all the pins Mm -hmm. and they become a millionaire in no time right because they don't know any better and they just throw themselves out to you know into it yeah yeah
0: and i think that's another thing that this time period of time is calling for us is to pause There is Right, it's to pause Mm -hmm. and and be deliberate about Mm -hmm. our moves and to know that it truly is an unprecedented situation where there is no rules. And all I know is that the old rules are not working. Like they they don't resonate with me. Like the old way of doing things and systems and blueprints and all these things that I already was not totally feeling in line with are completely out the window because you know, you. somebody changed the background scenery of our show <laughs> and we're still trying to use the same lines in the script, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. So it, it's and now more than ever, we're being invited to um, bit, follow yeah. our intuitions, go with our inspirations and and do our own, make our own rules.
1: Make our own rules. I also think um, that's a good point. Lisa. I also think it's kind of like we got to get respectful for each other and honor each other's space. I think we got so busy into just me, 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 going after, going after, going after that we didn't spend times with our family. We began to be disrespectful or dismissing people, passing them, you know, so this is kind of like a stop, pause, pivot, take a good look at yourself. And I also think it's a test on to us, not, not to everybody, especially when you think of, innocent people dying but I I do feel like it's a test to our commitment to life and hunger to live yes and the reason I say that because some people are dismissing and I I'm just gonna say it because I'm on the get fucking real show so I'm gonna get fucking real here it brings tears to my eyes to see people dismiss their life so much and to be so Anxious to get out in the world and continue going to the beaches and stuff. They're dismissing that they're putting themselves and other people in danger by simply not following the rules, not respecting the rules. You know, when I hear on the news, well, you know, people talking about ending this thing and Atlanta talking about how important it is to go to barbershops and and nail salons and stuff. And you know, there's no barbershop, nail salon or hair salon that you can stay six feet away unless it's a private one for that day. But that's not anything, that's not going to a food store. That's not anything that needs to urgently be open. And they're talking about sending kids back to school because kids don't die, but yet you know, Skylar, this beautiful five-year-old girl, I looked in the, in the news the other day and she died. So it's like, it's like, we got to get that respect back. People are now forced to spend time with their families. Moms and dads where their kids may be seeing them on the weekend or long enough to kiss them and go to bed are spending quality time with them. And it's driving them crazy. I'm glad my kids are gone. <laughs> I don't know. That's a lot. The husbands and wives are, whether they like each other or not, thank God, me and Kalik are in love, but we're here all the time, you know? So um, for business owners, it's a chance for us to uh, excel and not feel so rushed. I mean, don't you feel a little bit better now? Because now you get, you can carve out time for learning, time for social media, time for this, where we were always like just going like this. And that causes more strokes, more heart attacks, more all this stuff. So I think it's kind of like it, it was time for us to just stop, pause, and experience what our sisters and brothers that don't look like us, our sisters and brothers that live in other countries that we never understood, they were going through things like this all the time. I mean, people in Africa and we've seen people in China and stuff wear masks before. We've seen people in other countries go through what we're going through now. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it wasn't at this extent, but uh, this is kind of every day for other countries. Now we have a chance, okay, America, you know, we're no better than anybody else. We're all brothers and sisters in the same world. And so it, I think it gives me anyway, a better appreciation of other people.
0: Yes, I totally agree. Absolutely. And in your journey as a, you know, really media personality and the different, you know, people heard this in my intro of you, but you started at the kitchen table on a teleconference line and you have stayed current with the iterations of technology over, you know, all these years and always on the cutting edge. And now you're on Roku and Apple TV and and really taking advantage of, you know, those distribution channels. And it's an external, there's like an in external staying current, right? With technology and and, and how you could be seen and heard, you know, and more and more places. And then, you know, what I'm really hearing too from your story is this an internal evolution and making making sure you're current in your own, particular journey so that that could inform the other. And I think you're just a great example of that. And and now, you know, then you just add the third layer, you know, of the global um, backdrop, which I, you know, some people are way more in tune with that than me on, you know, before this, you know, but now everybody is, has mm-hmm. that same backdrop to me, just adds an additional sort of invitation to evolve.
1: Yeah, because we're all here to pass it on and to do our part, whether we're a gardener or a landscaper or whatever it is, you know, we're we're here to do our part and, uh, and we need to really just tap into what it is. And um, I think you and I, uh, hey, well, we kind of sort of talked about it. For me, my search for life began after I was robbed by gunpoint. No telling where I would be.
0: Yeah, we did not talk about that. We didn't talk about that. So that happened like four years before your epiphany in the hospital with caring for your Mm -hmm. mom. About 2000.
1: Well, yeah, maybe even two. I think it was two, uh, Lisa, because it was in 2004. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then mom went to the hospital in 2006. Yeah.
0: Yes. And so this happened in 1998 that you shared with us, share with us what happened mm-hmm. what happened to you back then. That then. And and I'll and before you share it, I'll I'll say that mm-hmm. you know, you already shared with me that you feel like that was like a key, you know, like a key thing or experience that needed to happen before, you know, to have you really be available for the message that you got in the hospital. So, right. you know, we're not yeah. here to say it's just one thing and then you know it's like triggers, you know, yeah. the whole pivot. But um yeah. yeah so share with us what about Yeah. That experience. You, as a matter
1: of fact, I was getting ready to start a business in 1998 that I was really excited to, because I was always testing some type of business, and I think it was my cosmetic line, Raven Raven Beauty Cosmetics. Yeah. So I left work. I, I told a lie to get off work early to go get my business cards and stuff, and I pulled up in my apartment complex. It was really really nice place. I always was one that would put would pay more. For my rent to make sure that I was in a good neighborhood and the kids wouldn't have to you know go up the stairs with you know have to fight a bunch of guys standing out saying, "Hey, baby, and all that stuff. So I didn't know if we had to eat peanut butter every day, my thing was we were gonna, I was gonna pay whatever it was um, to be in a nice place for my kids. So you know I was pulled in my parking lot and and you know, I had a little bag in the car, and I was started like throwing trash away. And something told me, it's, and I was like, should I go get the mail or should I just go on upstairs? And my inner gut told me, eh, just go on up the back stairs and go on in. Just go in. It was very clear. Go up the back steps and go into your house. And I said, no, nah, I'm going to go check the mailbox anyway. So I <laughs> fought my inner gut. Yes. And there was a long hallway. It had two entries. You can come in this way or, and come in this way. I walked past, very nice-looking guy, African-American guy. He said hi. I said hi. And the next thing I know, I was putting the keys in my bell box. and I believe God spoke to me. He said, turn around and be prepared to be- beg for your life. When I turned around, it was a gun to my head. And the guy said, give me your purse. And I'm a person that screams. I'm just so skittish. I immediately reached out my hand get, with the signal of, here's my purse and backed up, never looked at him and said, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, please don't kill me. And he took the bag and he left. And then he took two steps, turned around, and the gun pointed at me again. He noticed a ring. Me and my sister had given each other some sister rings. It was cubics. It wasn't real. And so he said, give me your ring. So I gave it to him. I was like, I hope he knows this is the thing. This is real, because it's not. You yeah. know? And he took that, and he never went back. But, That same day, right around the corner, the police told me there was a lady. They said, well, you're lucky you're alive. He said, because, you know, at the same time we got this call, we got a call that a lady had been kidnapped at 24 Hour Fitness. And I used to check all the time, say, did they ever find that lady? And as far as I knew, I always pray they have, but as far as I knew, they didn't. And so it bothered me, why did they take her and she's not okay, and why am I here? So that was in 98, and then in 2004, that's why I referenced 2004, I was listening to Les Brown on a conference call, and he was talking about um, his friend uh, Bubba, or I can't think his name, I think it was Bubba, that uh, used to cook, he always talked about how he was going to have a cookbook or something, and he was saying that his friend died, but um, this lady came to the grave and said, how's your friend, oh, boo. I forget his name, anyway, um, how's your friend, I, I mean, I'm sorry you lost your friend, did he ever do the cookbook, and Les said no, and she said, oh, he took it with him, and those words stuck with me, and I heard Les tell that story over and over again, but for some reason, it stuck with me, so I went in the room, I got a cassette recorder, and I popped on the cassette and I just started talking and sharing my story and sharing things that had happened to me in childhood that I could remember. And, and, and I still have that tape in a box in that room in there. And, and I always said that I'm going to pull it out. And I already know the name of the book is going to be Don't Waste the Space that the Good Lord Gave You. And that, I wrote that a long time ago. And I just put my first chapter on that tape and I started crying. That was 2004. And then that happened to mom in 2006. And I believe, you know, the search for me between 2004 and 2006 of trying to figure out what my life was for, I started buying books. I started listening to Les Brown. I joined uh, um, a marketing company just because they would have these great speakers like Les Brown. Jerry Clark and other people come on and speak. Jim Rome, I got to see him speak and take a picture. It's in my office here. And that opened my mind to these great people. And I would sit on there and I was like, I want to be like them. I want to be a speaker. And I remember one time, I don't know if you ever heard of Ellie Drake. You ever heard of Ellie Drake? No. It's a beautiful girl. I think she's from India or something. Uh, and she's really, really, you know, she's multi-millionaire. But anyway, she had us do this exercise and she told people to close their eyes and and see the colors, and people were like, they seen purple, and they seen all these colors, and all I seen was black, and that bothered me. I was like, something is wrong with me. Everybody was like, oh, I seen blue. and She said, blue means so-and-so, and I seen black. I couldn't see anything but black, and that bothered me so much. I thought something was wrong with me and stuff and so my search for that that bothered me so much and then I went to another event she did it again and I could see colors
0: mm-hmm.
1: I wasn't seeing black anymore
0: and, and you so, are one of the most colorful people inside and out y'all when you see the video she's wearing a beautiful <laughs> red suit with a red hat and every time I see her she's beautiful with the hats and the everything and the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: so all that in any way all that I think Opened me up. You know how sometimes, Lisa, we yes. tell our clients, you got to be open to receive what's coming on you because we're always, come on, I just want to hear that knock on the door. I want that opportunity. And the opportunity is passing you left and right, but you're not open to it. And so I think that's why I heard very clearly it's time for you to step up, show up, and grow up. And I knew exactly what it meant. And I wasn't scared to face the wrong, the good, bad, and the ugly of Raven, really face it. And, and then following Alex, well, I mean, interviews, it's not so much a podcast, although that was the platform, but interviews have totally, totally, totally changed my life. I mean, people are teaching it, people are, you know, learning it, but I, that, this has been my
0: life. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. So for our, the last segment here, I would love for you to bring us to um, how your mission is expressing now currently. And, and because I, I, I want to connect all the dots to, yeah. you know, to the, to the Raven that is now, and mm-hmm. you're like a fort. you know, you're a force to be reckoned with. So it's quite phenomenal to really hear your whole journey Um, And now like be sitting here before you looking at you and hearing you and knowing, you know, the empire, you know, that Mm. you've created. So, so so share with us, you know, what you want us to know about the culmination of your story as it is now, right? Which still has many chapters to it.
1: Where, how that brought me to where I am today is I'm very tuned in to people like me and I attract. People that have lost their moms or really close to their moms, uh, I, I, <laughs> I attract mommy girls. I attract and I help people that feel dismissed, overlooked, um, unheard, and feel very much like I did, and I still do, like Casper, you know. And I feel and I help them come from out of the shadows. Into the spotlight using the power of their voice and their heartfelt message. And I develop and help them develop uh, podcasts, interview talk shows or TV interview talk shows. God gave me the right man. I mean, Kalik, a Grammy award winning mixing engineer, worked with Michael Jackson Prince, all those people. And he, um, he sets me up with all the techie stuff. I have to learn stuff, he, you know, he, he's hard on me. It's like, I'll set it up, but I don't have time to do it because he's already in the studio and stuff. But uh, so that helped me better my skills. It helped me, like you were saying, you know, technology. To, but, you know, I'll stay up to three in the morning learning something and testing stuff. Um, I you know, I just have a, a passion for putting people in the spotlight. I've gone from women power talk radio to amazing women and men of power podcast network and raven international tv network and we even have raven international media empire i think lisa you this is the first show i think i've been on to say that we're getting ready to launch this thursday the raven international profitable podcaster agency Ooh! people will be able we're going to show them how to monetize their guests, make the connection with their guests, and then find out after the interview do the guests need SEO? Do they need this? Do they need what they need? Do they need a podcast? And my hosts are now going to be 10X Visibility agents and be able to offer any media, PR, broadcasting, or digital marketing service to their guests and to their clients.
0: Wow. Wow. And it's such a, you know, it's so innovative. I just- And get paid for it. (laughs) Right. Get paid for it. Yes. Oh my gosh. So your hosts are going to be uh, you're, you're giving your host the ability to offer these services to their guests, you know, yeah. what a what a cool thing. Yay, congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you, yeah.
1: <laughs> I have to give a shout out to Lisa Sassovich for helping me come up with my system on that, but I'm very excited. It's so weird, because, you know, I got with her and did mentoring with her this fall or November um, last year, and I've been sitting on it. You know, like I look at these different things on your commandments. There's the lack of faith, right? Mm. There's the getting in my own way. And now here I am getting ready to launch it this coming Thursday, which will be the 30th of April. And we're in 2020, you know, doing this virus thing. And it's like, okay, look what you've done. You wasted all these months. But I'm a believer that Nothing by accident, because even though this is a bad time, it's almost a perfect time. Perfect time. Because my host can get in touch with guests. They always wanted to, and the guests will say yes now to the interview because they don't have anything to do. And we people are thinking, well, I don't want to do anything, but my hosts are going to be trained through my system that they will let them know, no, we got to keep you relevant. We need to do a, what did you, where's your last book? Did you do a press release? We need to do one. We need to do this. We need to do all these different awesome. things. So.
0: Oh my gosh, Raven, this was so amazing. And you, you gave so many great quotes, but I have a feeling there's one more that you would want to share in sort of yeah. our final, final, final moment here. And what was Yeah, well, absolutely. In fact, you
1: were on the summit that inspired this quote. It's don't wait to be great. Do it now.
0: I love it. Don't wait to be great. Do it now. Mm -hmm. Raven Blair Glover, I love you to death. Thank you for being here and honoring me, um, being on my show. Can't wait to be on your show. Yay, (laughs) me. Yay, yay. (laughs) me. He's doing no, an awesome, the days.
1: presidential war when you're on Lisa
0: Turney show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You're awesome. I will take that. I'll, I'll let that in. I <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, dear. I love you're you welcome. so much. Thank you. How awesome is Raven Blacklover? Oh my gosh. I could just talk to her forever. She has a awesome free gift for the listeners called the ultimate interview toolkit for podcasters. So make sure you check that out. I also do want to let you know that her very favorite GFR commandment is number 6, have faith in yourself and your mission and she's just a walking billboard for that. You know, she does not let age or the color of her skin or anything hold her back from achieving what she wants to achieve and interviewing who the heck she wants to interview. She's really inspiring. I'm trying to, I'm going to make a wish list of people that I want to interview because she just it inspires me to, to know that I can I can interview whoever I want if I put my mind to it, especially now. A lot of, I think, celebrities are having a lot of downtime now. I also want to let you know that for our GFR squad members, this is our, our easy entry membership community where we have a monthly confession call. She recorded a special training that is just for our GFR squad members called five keys to becoming a six-figure profitable podcaster. So uh, I talk with her. Um, She talks about how to be like Oprah. She talks about how to interview up. There's a lot of good stuff in there. So if you haven't joined our GFR squad yet, and you've thought about it, it sounds really good. Just take the action, go to gfr.life forward slash squad pull out the 20 bucks, (laughs) get yourself a membership so you can be with us on our next confession call, which we do every month. We take one of our GFR commandments and the confession question that goes with it. And we have a chat. And see people, people come on and chat, some people come on and just listen. It's, it's uh, all are welcome, and it does make you more brave. So if you want to be a bit more brave, a bit more unapologetic in your, in your world here in 2020, go ahead and join us. Um, We'd love to be more connected with you, have you be on the front lines of my confessing and GFRing, and to get your, possibly it may, may mean that you get your work out there in the world bigger and have more impact, which is really what this is all about. All right, until next time, bye-bye, over and out.